Hello Thrive Nation, welcome to the Made to Thrive show and on this episode. So it's very useful for people who have serious illness, uh, uh, ones that are uh, uh, chronic diseases, uh, but it's also very useful for people who just want to maintain their health um, and and uh, ju ju just want to optimize their, uh, their life, uh, their nutrition, their, um, their functioning, their, their, how, um, their, their, their brain, how their, how their brain can function at the optimum level. So all of these factors are something you can look at with the, uh, organic acid test. Hello everyone. Welcome or welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Steve Stavs, Africa's Pro Biohacker. Wanted to thank you for all the feedback, ratings, and reviews that I've received from you. Good to hear your advice. You can now support the show because I have a Patreon site with two tiers. This is if the show has helped you or your loved ones and you want to give back. There will be a link in the show notes. Thank you to all of you for your stories and testimonies. It's been one of my greatest motivators to continue researching and revealing transforming truths. Today we unpack my own biohacking data on the episode, such a great conversation about my own health by taking a deep dive into my very own organic acids test called the OAT. In fact, since the podcast, I've ramped up my referrals for the OAT as it personally gave me so much incredible value. The expert and founder of OAT is Dr. William Shaw, PhD, who is an American chemist, autism researcher, and the founder and director of the Great Plains Laboratory. He shares his wisdom and years of experience and is an icon in the world of functional medicine and a frequent speaker at conferences worldwide. What makes it always so much more real is that Dr. Shaw has lived the life of having family with serious medical conditions. He's the stepfather of a child with autism and has helped thousands of patients and medical practitioners to successfully improve the lives of people with autism, ADHD, Alzheimer's, arthritis, bipolar disorder, chronic fatigue, depression, fibromyalgia, immune deficiencies, multiple sclerosis, OCD, Parkinson's, seizure disorders, tick disorders, Tourette's syndrome and other serious conditions. Really, this test has so many applications. Join us as we explore the value of the organic acids test for everyone and anyone, healthy or sick. Dr. Shaw and I analyzing together my very own OAT, how gut dysbiosis is the most common underlying reason for most illnesses, stories of Dr. Shaw reversing autism in children by removing systemic fungus and mold, how the danger of mold goes back to warnings in the Bible, latest cutting edge info on the power of the right probiotics, common nutritional mistakes like are you possibly having too many green smoothies why i call the oat an absolute necessity for everyone remember you can now whatsapp me directly to 064-871-0308 this is not a group but a direct line i would love to hear your feedback answer your questions and walk a health journey with you head off to madetothrive.co.za for the latest cutting edge content and some really cool free ebooks. We have a growing YouTube channel called Steve Stabs with some valuable video clips. And always remember, delight in your purpose and be surrounded. Hello Thrive Nation. Welcome to another show on the Mate to Thrive show. I've got a very special guest 
His name is Dr. William Shaw. He's a PhD, he's board certified in clinical chemistry and toxicology. He is the founder of Great Plains Laboratory. He is really an icon in the functional medicine field in the US and abroad. He has international acclaim. It's a privilege to have Dr. Shaw on the show. Welcome. Oh, yeah, I'm uh, glad to be here, Steve. So, uh, yeah, so I've been to South Africa one, one time, oh, quite a while ago, but it was a, it was a short trip because I had another conference coming uh, shortly thereafter. So I really didn't get to see much. I okay. need to come back when I have some uh, more time available. Well, brilliant. And I know that you've got many friends here and uh, we're working with a company called Biometrics Labs here that is running GPL. And I do want to take a deep dive into the organic acids test and, and why it's so valuable. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of history on myself. Uh, 22 years being in practice in my other life as a physician. I haven't missed a day's work ever uh, in those years. I haven't had Western medicine in probably over 25 years. And uh, I do look after my health. And of course, we've got, you know, signs and symptoms that I do want to discuss as we go through my own organic acids uh, profile. But uh, tell me, a person like myself, why should we do the organic acid test? Just a general overview, Dr. Shaw. Well, it's, it's because it gives a profile of virtually uh, every organ in the body and in not only each individual organ, but how these organs and tissues interact. So, uh, you know, so many tests talk about uh, the function of one particular thing. The big advantage of the organic acid test is that all of these biochemical systems are interactive. And so the organic acid test not only gives the function of one organ or one tissue, one biochemical system, but also how all these uh, interact. And, and uh, what you'll find is um, as, as you become acquainted with it, you'll, you'll become more and more knowledgeable. And so it's like, uh, so even, even an introductory knowledge will, will allow you to, uh, to help with people's health but as you learn more and more, you'll, you'll be able to get uh, the more experience you have, the, the greater will be your knowledge of how these uh, different biochemical systems uh, interact. And uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be able to get even more information. So it's very useful for people who have serious illness, uh, uh, ones that are uh, uh, chronic diseases, uh, but it's also very useful for people who just want to maintain their health um, and, and uh, ju ju just want to optimize their, uh, their life, uh, their nutrition, their, uh, their functioning, their, their, how um, their, their, their brain, how their, how their brain can function at the, optimum level. So all of these factors are something you can look at with the uh, organic acid test. Right. Now, I'm not sure about the US. Maybe you can give us a little bit of a history. I know that uh, traditional functional labs here in South Africa are paid by medical insurance. 
Uh, is this the same, the case for uh, organic acid tests? And, and where do you see it in the future? Obviously, cost is something that uh, people that are listening in the audience and, and the viewers on YouTube are going to need to consider. But where is it going to from a, a reimbursement point of view, OAT? Well, in, in the United States, the majority of insurance companies do cover it. The uh, government health plan, uh, Medicare for the for the disabled and elderly also uh, reimburses for it. Uh, but there are some insurance companies that don't reimburse or some insurance companies that reimburse partially and then the person has to make a copay. And, 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 uh, but there are also many people in the United States and other countries who, who pay out of pocket. Okay. All right. So there's a lot of value. So let's have a look at, uh, at myself in terms of my symptoms that are not, not that I have many symptoms, you know, my exercise routine, my environment routine of getting outside and spending a lot of time outdoors. And uh, I had COVID. Uh, I think it was a little sinus infection for a day or two. That's all it was, uh, Dr. Shaw. And I, my immune system's, uh, I think, pretty robust. But I, I do think this is the next level for uh, to to look at my own health and, and my own performance and my longevity. So, uh, one thing I do have from an allergic response is uh, garlic. It is uh, you know something that I, I respond to in a really negative way, especially if it's bottled garlic. I can have significant GI distress and vomiting, and uh, I'd be very careful when I eat out. Not that I eat out a lot, but I need to be very careful when I eat out to mention that I cannot tolerate garlic. And, and that has progressively got worse. So that would be one of the symptoms. Another symptom yeah. is a very dry scalp and in very dry conditions and, and hot conditions, I can get a little bit of dermatitis and a little bit of what looks like a bit of eczema on my elbows and that. Uh, but, but probably I would look at that as two big symptoms. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty wake up every single morning. Uh, I love Mondays. We've got a little acronym at, uh, at Made to Thrive, Dr. Shaw. That's TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. So uh, we love Mondays. We, there's a significant purpose that, that I wake up with on a Monday. And, uh, you know, I've run 11 Comrades Marathons, which is a 56-mile race that used to be run every single year. Uh -huh. uh, so, you know, I've done probably over 35,000 kilometers in the last 25 years of, of road running, uh, uh -huh. have get movement seven days a week. Uh, I'm very cognizant of my light diet, the blue light that I get exposed to at night. Uh, I'm very cognizant of the electromagnetic radiation about me. So, you know, uh, you know, overall, uh, it's something that I really do take a lot of time, effort and resources with regards to, to my health and, and performance. Uh, I don't often lack energy. I, I don't uh, really suffer with any chronic inflammation or swelling. I think my CRP, most HSCRP is below 0.4 uh, mostly. So I've done significant functional labs over the years. And I think that's why I want to look at sort of a basic 101 organic acids test uh, profile. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it is, uh, it is uh, very uh, worthwhile. And, and, uh, and, you know, I would say that overall, they, the, the results are, are uh, indicative of good overall health. There's probably a few 
a few things where there could be some uh, uh, improvements. Um, and and uh, so so one of the things in looking at the the uh, test, uh, just to give an overview, is the thing that distinguished Great Plains from many other tests was the the research that had been done uh, by me on in the field of dysbiosis. So the what I found is that the dysbiosis was a a major factor in and, uh, and many different illnesses. So Absolutely. it was, uh, it, it, and, uh, and I started the test at working at the children's hospital, focusing on genetic disease. But instead what I saw is we examined children with a wide range of illnesses is that the, um, the incidence of genetic disease was fairly low. You know, in most cases, it's like one in 10,000. And, and, uh, and we did find, you know, because it was a children's hospital, we found some children who did indeed have the uh, genetic diseases, but a much higher percentage, perhaps 50% of all. So that's one in two. Uh, uh, children were having problems in which the dysbiosis was an issue. The dysbiosis meaning a, a dysfunctioning of the microorganisms in the intestinal tract. And so uh, I find that that, that that is by far the, the uh, factor that uh, one of the most common factors that is involved with, uh, uh, with illness. Well, let's talk a bit about like, dysbiosis. Maybe you can just sort of give a general definition of that. I think, you know, if we look at the microbiome research that's happening in terms of what's happening with, uh, you know, absorption. And obviously this test shows a lot of what's happening from a neurotransmitter and mineral perspective and, and deficiencies in that. But maybe you can explain to the audience what dysbiosis is, why there's sort of just an exponential increase in dysbiosis. And obviously we've got a gut reset uh, program here uh, myself as a as a biohacker and in my other life as a physician but i think the importance of of dysbiosis you know speaking to dr stephanie Seneff, i don't know if you know from uh who wrote the book toxic legacy you spoke about glyphosate and what's happening to autism rates in 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 the u.s you know in some places like new jersey one in 20 children is on the ASD spectrum by the age of 12. It's one in 55, I think, in the US now. Uh, kids at the age of, by the age of 12, you know, that are uh, diagnosed on the ASD spectrum compared to, I think, one in uh, 50,000 in the 1950s or something like that. So, uh, you know, dysbiosis, I think, is, is really important for the people to understand that are listening. Yeah, so, so each person has a... A, a very large number of microorganisms, primarily uh, bacteria, but but other uh, organisms like uh, 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 yeast and molds has a certain amount, and that certain amount is uh, very healthy. It's estimated that the number of uh, bacteria in the healthy intestinal tract is greater than the number of cells in the entire human body. So there's a tremendous number of uh, microorganisms and uh, these microorganisms are helpful. So they're beneficial. Uh, so beneficial microorganisms are often termed probiotics, meaning in, uh, 
in favor of biotics, which in favor of life. And, and uh, these uh, uh, microorganisms are, are very helpful. Uh, they help to crowd out uh, harmful microorganisms that may be there. And if you have a high population of good bacteria, they can crowd out the uh, harmful bacteria. Uh, they're also very helpful as far as helping us with the uh, digestion of food. And they're also involved in producing certain essential uh, cofactors like vitamins. So it's estimated that the critical essential vitamin biotin is, is uh, produced in many people by their intestinal uh, probiotics. And, and uh, so all of these things are, um, are, um, are uh, beneficial. And, and if these uh, organisms are reduced, then our functioning is, uh, is uh, reduced. Um, and a couple, there's a couple of things that are especially uh, harmful. And, and one of those is uh, antibiotics. So antibiotics, of course, may sometimes be necessary for a uh, severe fatal illness like cholera or something like that. Um, but on the other hand, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the uh, use of these antibiotics uh, kills the beneficial bacteria as well as the harmful bacteria. And, and some of the harmful bacteria are resistant to some of the uh, antibiotics. A good, and a good case is that of the uh, many species of the Clostridium uh, genus are resistant to some of the most common uh, antibiotics. And so as the person takes these antibiotics, the harmful uh, bacteria like uh, Clostridia species proliferate, um, uh, organisms like uh, Candida uh, proliferate since they're resistant to antibiotics and uh, sometimes mold in the intestine can uh, proliferate as well. So all these harmful organisms proliferate. Uh, and then the other major factor uh, throughout the world now has to do with the uh, Roundup. The uh, glyphosate is the chemical in, in uh, Roundup. And of course there are big lawsuits in the United States because of a uh, a connection between the use or exposure to glyphosate and different types of uh, cancers. Um, and and the, the glyphosate also acts as like antibiotics do in killing uh, beneficial bacteria, the, the probiotics, uh, but, but um, uh, many of the pathogenic bacteria are resistant. So as people eat these, uh, genetically modified foods uh, that are sprayed with uh, Roundup. Uh, the more they eat of these, the more they're harming their uh, intestinal flora. And, and I think this is uh, one of the major factors in uh, autism and I've published a, a paper showing high amounts of, of uh, glyphosate and, and uh, triplets um, that, that all had uh, uh, severe neurologic symptoms and two of them had uh, autism. And uh, 
And by getting rid of the, the genetically modified food, which in their case was corn, uh, they had a significant improvement in their autistic symptoms. And they also had a significant reduction in their problem with uh, Clostridium, which is one of the bacteria uh, very common in autism. Sure, thank you for that summary. And I think uh, how important it is, and we're gonna get into this to eat organic food as, as much as you can because of this glyphosate problem. It's all over the shelves in South Africa. It's uh, used on the crops. There's no legislation whatsoever when it comes to glyphosate in South Africa and beyond. So uh, I do think uh, it's a problem that uh, we're facing in Africa for those people listening. So Dr. Shaw, thank you. Can we go through my organic acids test and, and have a look sure. at the things that we need sure. to address? And, and also let's yeah. look at it through the, the frame of a few things, nutrition, environment, uh, a movement or exercise, sleep, and then the last is self-quantification. Those are the, the five pillars that are ones that we can intervene. I think with regards to the physiology and the biochemistry, we do have another two pillars in purpose and community. But let's focus on those five pillars as we address some of the deficiencies and yeah. excesses and see what are the actionable steps that, that someone like myself and then people that are going to be doing the organic, organic acid test can then implement yeah would, would you like me to show it on the screen if you can i'm going to allow you to share then so then okay. uh there we go so everybody can uh now and let me find a okay while you do that i'm just going to allow in i don't know is it someone franks i think is that from your side your office uh, yeah yeah carolyn you mean carolyn yeah let me just allow her in and uh, and so we're continuing. Okay. And it's it's gonna take me um, it's gonna take me a minute. No problem. Uh, well, it looks like I, I can't do it. it. It won't allow me to minimize the uh, uh, screen while okay. uh, while uh, um, while looking for it, let's see. And I should have just uh, forgotten. I, unfortunately, I I won't be able to do it. I, what I realized is I I had to have that already. Okay. uploaded prior to the talk mm. and unfortunately i didn't do it so we we might have to just show your your own copy if you have the copy uh, i do so if I, I, of course i have a copy too i don't know yeah. how well that will well, i'm gonna uh, actually just share screen from my side i think you just gave me an idea there so let me go from my side and then you should be able yeah. to see that there yeah, I think if that's the case there, so there we go. Oh yeah, that's great. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Great. So, uh, so in looking at this, um, so each one has the patience value, and then the reference range, which is based on a significant number of people 
uh, and we we have uh, four major divisions, which are uh, male and female, and then uh, adult and child. We're we're actually some of the biggest variations are in children, so we'll probably in the future also divide this into more uh, age groups in children. Right now, we just have a single uh, mm. child's group, but in children, the values do uh, change considerably with age, and so the future will have more uh, divisions uh, for mm. the uh, normal ranges. So, Dr. Shaw, uh, I'm going to just stop you there because I just know from functional medicine, the ranges are quite broad. I'm not sure how it works, the organic acids test, but for example, if we look at uh, TSH, thyroid stimulating hormone, the range goes from 0.5 to 3.5. And, and for me, those ranges are way too wide. And uh, a lot of people will see a traditional medical doctor and, you know, the TSH will be 3.2, but the patient has significant, you know, signs and symptoms of hypothyroidism. How does your reference range work? I mean, as we go through this, you know, well, I mean, it is, it's based, it's, it's just based on people who uh, are uh, essentially normal. Uh, and we, you know, we've asked, we've asked them to fill out a questionnaire, making sure they don't have any major diseases, they don't have uh, seizures, they don't, uh, they don't have attention deficit, they don't, you know, that they uh, there's no significant disease. Of course, that doesn't mean they're in necessarily in optimum health, but it does mean that um, uh, they, they don't have any significant illness. Mm. Um, but what we find is that, um, that in some cases, people who are in the normal range, but who are um, uh, near the end of the normal range may uh, have some uh, pathology. And uh, so in our interpretations, we make note of that. For example, okay. in neurotransmitters, um, a neurotransmitter may be in the normal range, but on the uh, extreme low end. And we'll make note of that, that the person might want to consider that there is a, a problem going on. Okay. Um, but as Good. far as the flags go, these uh, red letters for HRL, uh, those are based purely about whether uh, the patient's value is in the normal range. So, okay. so for example, in, in your case, the arabinose, a, a marker for candida is, is slightly elevated. Um, and, uh, and, and typically this might be from, a, you know, somewhat more uh, carbohydrate or sugars and uh, in the diet, but it could also be due to other factors, like there could be a, um, a deficiency of uh, the IgA antibody, the immunoglobulin A, which is uh, coats the uh, intestinal tract and the uh, mouth and in the tears. Um, it, 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 I think if, if I was advising someone, yeah. I would say, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that this value would require treatment. Um, the um, hippuric acid is, um, is elevated, but again, this is uh, a number 10. Uh, this is primarily due to beneficial bacteria. 
And it just indicates there are probably more bacteria than average in the intestinal tract. Again, a, uh, a, uh, a value that uh, does not require any uh, intervention. Uh, number 14 is significant because this is the marker for beneficial bacteria. And it's, uh, it's higher than usual, which is beneficial. The fact that uh, there's more beneficial bacteria present. Um, and then the ones that are uh, most problematic are in the Clostridia family, and they're all in the, uh, in the uh, normal range uh, with Cresol being a little bit higher than average, but still not enough to uh, warrant any kind of uh, intervention. Okay, let's stop there. It, so you would see significant problems with someone who's, you know, has dysbiosis, if regards those, the HP, HPA, the Cresol, those would be significantly higher if someone has yes. had dysbiosis. Yes, yeah, and they... The, one of the, the highest values I've seen were in people with uh, uh, severe autism and in schizophrenia. They, um, uh, those are the conditions which I've seen some of the highest value, but I've seen it in, in people with a wide variety of illnesses. So it's not only the mental illnesses, but uh, it can also be, for example, I saw very high values in uh, a person with severe seizures. I saw uh, very high values in uh, a, a patient with severe ulcerative colitis. As a matter of fact, it was so severe that the, uh, that the gastroenterologist recommended they remove the intestinal tract, which was very unfortunate because this could have been treated with just simple um, uh, potent probiotics. Instead, the person had their, uh, a large part of their uh, uh, colon uh, removed. I mean, really uh, completely unneeded. And so it's very sad that I, I had talked to the father of a child with autism with severe uh, ulcerative colitis, and he had just had the surgery a week or two earlier. And I said, it's unfortunate you didn't, uh, we didn't have a conversation uh, a couple of weeks ago because it was really mm. uh, absolutely unneeded. Yeah. Let's talk about Aspergillus here. Yeah, these yeah, obviously I'm all in the range here, yeah. yeah, the Starteric. If if those would be elevated with someone with yeast and fungal, you know, increased, what numbers would you see there firstly and what would be the intervention? Oh, so uh, these markers are associated with uh, people who have uh, uh, mold exposure. Uh, so if their house, their school, their office has uh, mold, which is, you know, one of the uh, microorganisms that's even mentioned in the Bible, in the Old Testament, uh, the, uh, there are several pages of the Bible that talk about how to determine if your house has mold and you have to call the rabbi to come to your house and, ex and inspect it. And if it is, if it continues, you have to take away all the materials in the house and throw it into the garbage dump. So there's a whole uh, section of um, in okay. the uh, uh, Leviticus in the Old, wow. uh, Old Testament. 
and the uh, the mold is a major. So uh, it can be in your office, can be in your car, uh, in your house, and uh, and uh, it could be the person gets it from uh, a working uh, even in the garden. There could be if they, there's an excessive mold, uh, the person could get. Um, uh, have the intestinal tract colonized with uh, uh, with uh, with mold, and and another uh, way that people get it would be the uh, a depression uh, suppression of the immune system. So, for example, uh, it's very common for people who have chemotherapy to develop uh, systemic mold infections. And matter of fact, it's so common that in, in one of the hospitals where I work, they, they uh, routinely gave uh, people antifungal drugs whenever they were administering chemotherapy because the chemotherapy uh, uh, disrupts the uh, immune system. And, and, and so the person even if they only have a small amount of mold that may proliferate due to the uh, impaired uh, immunity. So those are two uh, major things. And of course, the person may have a, a genetic deficiency of the immune system itself, and that could lead to uh, mold overgrowth. So the mold is the greatest number will be in the intestinal tract. Uh, but in talking to a colleague of mine, a uh, otolaryngologist, which means the ears, nose, and throat mm. doctor, uh, he found a patient who had severe sinus problems. He did x-rays of the sinuses and found large stalactites. The structures that you find in underground caves uh, were present in the sinuses of the uh, person and these were uh, these were formed by oxalates uh, that were produced by the mold growing in the person's sinuses. And once he gave the person antifungal treatment, uh, the the um, these uh, stalactites in the uh, sinuses uh, completely uh, cleared up. Great. Let's talk about antifungals. Are we talking pharmaceutical drugs? What would they be? Number one. And number two, are there natural herbal alternatives for the antifungal? And then I suppose, uh, just to mention anyone listening there and the viewers, this is not medical advice. Please consult your medical practitioner before taking any type of remediation at all. Yes. So, uh, so there's a wide range of treatments for uh, uh, yeast and fungi. There's, there are many um, over-the-counter uh, products that do not require prescription. And of course, the, the prescription requirement is varies from country to country. And so some countries would, would require uh, prescription antifungals be approved by a physician and uh, some countries would not. So mm. I don't know what the uh, situation is in, uh, uh, in, uh, in South Africa. So uh, so some of the common uh, prescription antifungals are uh, uh, nystatin, uh, amphotericin B, uh, diflucan, which is also uh, uh, 
it, uh, a uh, diflucan is a um, is what is called a systemic antifungal drug, meaning that if you have fungi inside the uh, cells of your body, you could uh, need a systemic antifungal compared to uh, nystatin, uh, which only kills the the uh, the yeast or fungus in the intestinal tract. So it's not nystatin is not absorbed from the intestinal tract, so only kills organisms found in the uh, intestinal tract. Whereas uh, uh, diflucan is the uh, the uh, an antifungal drug that will be absorbed from the intestinal tract and uh, can kill yeast or fungus in uh, different parts of the um, uh, body. And some of the other ones are uh, 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 Sporinox is the brand name and the generic name is Itraconazole. Uh, those are very useful for, um, for mold. So mold is somewhat difficult to treat and those have been some of the uh, more potent drugs for treating uh, problems uh, with mold. And uh, recently, Dr. Uh, Sidney Baker and I published a, uh, a paper on a, uh, a child with autism who had a, a complete recovery following uh, treatment for his uh, aspergillus. So these markers you see here, two, four, uh, five, and six were uh, uh, were elevated, indicating a, 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 a overgrowth of, uh, of uh, mold or fungus in the uh, intestinal tract. And after a couple of months, all his symptoms of autism uh, were reversed. And even now, years later, he still has uh, no, uh, no further symptoms of autism. And of course, I want to emphasize that this is each one of these are subgroups that autism is not a, a single illness. It is a multifactorial illness. And so uh, that doesn't mean that every child with autism has this problem, but there are many that do. A, a recent study indicated about uh, uh, one fifth of the uh, children with autism have a, a significant problem with the uh, mold toxins. Okay, what about autoimmune diseases, Dr. Shaw? Do you find a lot of uh, patients, uh, who, I mean, there's just been an exponential increase of uh, lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, uh, Sjogren syndrome. Uh, yes, yes. So, uh, uh, so all of these autoimmune uh, diseases can be, uh, can maybe uh, triggered by uh, mold problems. There was a study in uh, one of the Scandinavian countries showing uh, marked increase in uh, in uh, uh, autoimmune disease uh, diseases among the uh, uh, teachers in uh, schools that had significant uh, mold problem. So uh, mold can be a significant uh, trigger for uh, autoimmunity, uh, but so can toxic chemicals. So uh, in places where there was uh, oil spills, for example, it was found there were high amounts of uh, 
uh, autoimmune disease in patients who uh, lived in, uh, in uh, those areas. Tell me a little bit about hydrogen peroxide, uh, probably IV or hydrogen peroxide as nebulization through the sinuses, which I found very beneficial. The use of ozone, I was trained by the American Association of Ozone Therapy by Frank Schellenberger. The use of ozone when it comes firstly to aspergillus and maybe uh, looking at the clostridia bacterial markers, but would those be some significant interventions? Sure, uh, sure, yes. Yeah, those would be. Uh, so the, uh, the uh, peroxide will, uh, is something that is, uh, can be used for uh, treating some of these microorganisms, including the mold, as, um, and, uh, uh, and uh, as well as the uh, ozone. And, and, um, and uh, there are many over-the-counter uh, herbal remedies um, uh, for, for example, the medium chain triglycerides um, are coconut oil, uh, have a, uh, are very useful uh, anti, uh, antifungal uh, types of uh, uh, compounds. And, and they're also, uh, they're, they're also uh, uh, products that were found in the rainforest that uh, have uh, antifungal uh, treatment. So, uh, so there's a wide range of both uh, pharmaceutical uh, drugs as well as uh, as well as one that are, don't require prescription uh, that can be used as anti. Uh, as antifungals. The only difficulty I would say is there's probably not as much published information on the use of uh, some of the, uh, the non-prescription agents. And it's purely because the pharmaceutical companies, of course, encourage publication and so forth. So there's a lot of times many more uh, scientific articles in the mm. uh, medical literature. Who uh, are you a clinician? Do you see patients, or who would be the primary clinician that we could have on the show to discuss all the very treatment options and what's being beneficial for certain parts of the organic acid tests? You know, from the hydrogen peroxides to the ozones to the herbal remedies. Uh, I, I know there are many people that uh, use that. I myself am not as uh, familiar with that other than the fact that I know there are many physicians who, uh, who do uh, use those uh, uh, compounds. And, and uh, uh, the other thing to remember is like for the Clostridia com uh, bacteria, they're uh, anaerobic organisms. So uh, they die in the presence of oxygen. So some people have even used uh, hyperbaric oxygen mm. uh, treatment as a, uh, to uh, reduce the uh, clostridia, for example, uh, since it, uh, uh, oxygen is actually toxic to the uh, clostridia bacteria. But Dr. Shaw, as we're speaking, this, it almost seems this test is an absolute necessity for every single person. If you're looking at mold, you know, if you're looking at C. diff and, and what's happening there in the Clostridia and what's happening to our environment now, this would be sort of paramount for almost every single person to, to do. 
Yes, yeah. I mean, there's so many applications uh, for this test. Uh, I think I did a, uh, a summary just looking at the, um, in the United States, you, you have to give a tentative diagnosis code um, to submit the, the uh, test to insurance. And I think there were over 600 different diagnoses and uh, in, in which the organic acid test was uh, being used. So, so, so tell me virtually now. everything under the sun. So people with autoimmune disease, people with chronic fatigue uh, syndrome, uh, uh, people with uh, fertility uh, issues, um, uh, so all, all of these uh, 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 huge uh, array of illnesses. So all of the psychiatric disease, every single one is, uh, in my book, has been associated with the, uh, the problems with the uh, dysbiosis. So it includes uh, autism, attention deficit, uh, uh, depression, psychosis, uh, even the the um, uh, the uh, eating disorders, anorexia nervosa. Uh, so what I found is a number of cases in which the per, the uh, the uh, woman with anorexia nervosa had huge amounts of the dysbiosis. So so in so what I, my theory is that the reason for not eating was just the fact that um, uh, with the person who has the very severe dysbiosis, the, the, some of the foods can actually uh, cause uh, a greater problem in the GI tract. So the person is really reacting um, to their severe uh, dysbiosis by withholding food with I think with probably indirectly hoping to starve out the harmful uh, organisms in the intestinal tract. So I've got a 17-year-old and a five-year-old, uh, Dr. Shaw. When, when do I do their first OAT test? So we've done this a lot of times on children who are uh, newborns. So, and we've also done people who are 100 years old. So there really is... The, it, the, the only challenge is getting the, um, uh, a urine sample. So I would say anytime you have a, uh, something that doesn't seem right, the organic acid may be able to um, uh, uh, assist very, uh, in a very useful way. And of course, all the, uh, a whole battery, a whole range of genetic diseases has been um, the uh, organic acid was has been very useful. As a matter of fact, the those genetic diseases were the first application of uh, organic acid testing. Right. So let, let's move to Clostridia. If these numbers were what at what numbers would we concerned, and what would be the interventions if they were higher than they, yeah. than they are? So they uh, so the higher they are, the worse. So. And so far, I have not found that low values are significant. In other words, it's probably the lower, the better. Uh, but the ones here in the middle are not any ones that I'd be concerned about. I would be concerned. I have seen some symptoms develop 
near the upper limit of uh, normal. So people, this represents the uh, upper limit of normal, the, uh, the bar on the, uh, on the right, Mm. Uh, that is the upper limit of normal. Uh, the pink area, pinkish area, is like one, the mean plus or minus one standard deviation. Uh, and so ones that go all the way to the end of the bar, those would, the people would start to have some uh, symptoms. And the most, the most common symptoms would be some uh, gastrointestinal uh, problems would uh, begin to uh, uh, pop up, and and uh, and then the higher the values, the more severe. And then I'd, I'd like to go to the uh, and a way of assessing the the damage is to look at the neurotransmitters because high Clostridia bacteria cause a problem with the uh, neurotransmitters. And so the, um, this, okay, stop right here. Yeah. And so the uh, most important uh, value for looking at the clostridia is this HVA VMA ratio. So if this HVA VMA ratio uh, exceeds the limits of normal, so if it's greater than 1.4, uh, the most common reason is because the person has excessive clostridia. Uh, bacteria. And, uh, and occasionally a person may have this high ratio without the uh, clostridia bacteria. And this is most commonly due to a, a, a genetic disorder um, in the enzyme that converts dopamine to uh, norepinephrine. Matter of fact, you, um, there's a diagram of uh, of that on the O test, yeah, there it is, right, right there, yeah. So um, you you can see that um, uh, if you put your pointer, I don't think my pointer can be seen, can it? No, no, mine. Can no, so you put your pointer on dopamine. Yeah, uh, and so the uh, dopamine, the arrow going down, uh, dopamine's converted to norepinephrine. Uh, and that enzyme is dopamine beta hydroxylase. So it can be caused by copper deficiency or vitamin C deficiency, but usually is not because you have to get to extremely low copper or vitamin C deficiency before this enzyme doesn't function. Uh, it can happen, but the most common reason besides the clostridia is a genetic deficiency. And this is a fairly common a genetic deficiency. Perhaps even 10% uh, of the population uh, may have one of these deficiencies, which usually is not a complete one. It's usually one of these um, called SNPs, the single nucleotide polymorphisms that, that somewhat affects the enzyme, but doesn't completely delete uh, all activity of the enzyme. And so, uh, so many people with this genetic deficiency have also been found using the uh, organic acid test. And in fact, it is like a, uh, you might say a, a poor man's uh, uh, 
uh, uh, test, uh, DNA test, and that some of the more common genetic diseases can uh, be determined along with many other things. So the organic acid test, I would say, is we have a phrase, uh, uh, more bang for the buck, meaning it is highly economical because you get, you get multiple different uh, tests uh, that have relationships, uh, you know, for a, uh, for a good price, considering all the technology uh, that goes into this. Uh, and um, let's go back to the, um, the neurotransmitters again, uh, Stephen. Sure. Uh, yeah. So, uh, uh, so, um, uh, so if this uh, ratio, uh, number 35, the HVA-VMA ratio uh, becomes, uh, exceeds the upper limit of normal, there's significant problems. I've seen kids with, so you see the average value is around, the mean value is around one, but I've seen some kids with autism who had values of like 50. Wow. Uh, and, and so there can be extremely high values uh, and it can be due to the clostridia, as I mentioned, or the genetic deficiency of the uh, dopamine enzyme, or it, the worst case scenario, the person could have both, both things simultaneously. Um, and um, uh, we also have indicators for the uh, problems in the conversion of, of uh, uh, of uh, uh, dopamine, which can be due to a, um, a deficiency of SAMe, the S-adenosylmethionine, uh, the DOPAC, the number 36 can be elevated. Um, uh, we have a marker number 38 for, uh, for uh, the serotonin, uh, so lower values. And so I'd say based on this, I would say you might, you might want to be taking some uh, HTP if, if you have any issue with uh, uh, sleep, for example, this would be, um, you might want to increase this. One thing I want to point out is do not use tryptophan because tryptophan uh, can, can go in two directions and one direction is to form quinolinic acid that can cause uh, severe inflammation. So I had just a, uh, a consultation yesterday in which the person, um, the patient was getting tryptophan instead of 5-hydroxy tryptophan. So they're very similar, but the tryptophan can form quinolinic acid, which can be cause inflammation in the body, but also inflammation uh, in the brain. And uh, so your value is very nice, but the patient who was taking tryptophan had excessive amount. I think the value was around four, which was like double the upper limit of normal. And, and so the advice was to uh, change the uh, supplement from tryptophan to 5-hydroxy tryptophan. Great. Now, how would, if that ratio, that HVA-VMA ratio was 
yeah. like about for what what symptoms you know you said the etiology would probably be from you know overgrowth or too much of clostridia but what right. symptoms so so the symptoms it? the symptoms of either the genetic disorder or the clostridia are virtually identical because they're affecting the same biochemical pathway. And so uh, the symptoms would include virtually uh, every uh, neurologic and psychiatric disease, ADD, autism, uh, uh, depression, uh, Alzheimer's uh, disease. Uh, a common uh, symptom is dizziness and um, uh, dizziness and uh, fainting uh, for in children. Bedwetting is a common uh, symptom, uh, and and uh, <laughs> and uh, so if the problem is the clostridia, uh, it can be treated with just uh, simple probiotics. Uh, and which uh, probiotics? The the best are the. Uh, the ones that are the uh, bacillus species, the soil-based uh, probiotics are, are the uh, best for all of these uh, clostridia, 15, 16, 17, 18. You can use the same probiotic. Uh, the one, I can, one product uh, is called Corebiotics. So C-O-R-E, biotics, uh, and it is uh, several different species of uh, bacillus uh, species that are listed as generally recognized as safe by the mm. uh, Food and Drug Administration of the United States. And I've taken them, I've given them to family members, uh, and uh, they're extremely effective in the control of clostridium. Unfortunately, if the problem is genetic, at this time, there is only a pharmaceutical uh, therapy available for the if the uh, if the person has the elevated HVA v, uh, VMA ratio, they have to uh, get a drug called droxydopa. In the past, it was very expensive, but now there's about five or six pharmaceutical companies that have produced generic, and so the price is plummeting. Okay, uh, and right. the. The spelling of the drug, uh, again, it's called droxydopa, D-R-O-X-I-D-O-P-A. And, and, um, and uh, uh, people have had very good results. People who were, uh, so another one of the symptoms is extreme fatigue, unable to exercise. And one, a person who had all these symptoms could, could not walk more than a block was able to run the marathon after uh, treatment with the uh, pharmaceutical. Now, now Dr. Schwann, I don't want to just maybe speak about probiotics because it's such a contentious issue. There's so many, so many different opinions out there on taking regular probiotics, if you should have probiotic uh, diversity, diversification or diversity, having a microbial a diverse uh, microbiota, uh, alternating, we've got many probiotics. So we use uh, many different companies, uh, Metagenics, which I'm sure is there, uh, Zymogen, a lot of these products, probiotics. Uh, but then there's also the, the view of spore biotics, only taking spore biotics. You know, what is your view on continuous use of probiotics? Uh, they, the only thing I know is that the 
the Clostridia bacteria is one that's very difficult to get rid of. I mean, it's so difficult that some of the people resort to the, uh, the fecal transplants, but, but and th this is one avenue but it, you, you know, if you have a fecal transplant, you, you have to have a donor who you know is disease free. What if, you know, so you have to, so it's very elaborate. You yeah. have to make sure that the person doesn't have hepatitis or HIV or, uh, you know, other uh, very harmful illnesses. And, you know, I, I think it has potential, uh, but my experience has been that these uh, spore uh, producing probiotics, which are sometimes also called soil-based uh, probiotics, have been extremely uh, effective, and I haven't seen any significant side effects. Um, and uh, and I know people who have you know, given them to their child with autism, and a, a child who had continuing clostridia problems, but once they the uh, probiotic was uh, the soil-based organism. It completely cleared up the uh, clostridia problem, which the child had had for years and years. Wow. Uh, and so the regular lactobacillus species will work to some degree, but they're, in my experience, they're just not nearly as, uh, as potent as these uh, uh, soil-based uh, probiotics. Right. And tell me, does this clostridia, is it in the small intestine, the large intestine, in the gut itself? Because obviously we want to look at, and maybe we won't, maybe that's part two to look at SIBO, but where, does, where are the clostridia sort of? Uh, yeah, the, the clostridia may be, uh, are probably predominantly in the large intestine, but uh, in, in the... Uh, but may also appear in the small intestine uh, as well. And as a matter of fact, number 15, uh, that yeah. marker is sometimes uh, the 4-hydroxyphenylacetic has been associated with SIBO. Uh, there may not be as much in, this, in the uh, uh, small intestine as the large intestine because of the oxygen factor. They're probably... Uh, the further down the intestinal tract you go, the less oxygen. So the colon uh, usually has the least oxygen of the entire intestinal tract. And that's why the clostridia are more, maybe more prevalent there. But I feel very strongly that they're also uh, can maybe present in the small intestine uh, as well. Uh, the, the organic acid test cannot differentiate the location, but in some ways it doesn't need to because whether it's in your uh, large intestine or small intestine, the treatment uh, can be the same, which is using an effective uh, probiotic. There are pharmaceutical treatments, uh, but overall they're much more expensive. And uh, to my mind, they're not they have more side effects and are, uh, are less effective for long-term uh, treatment. And in the past, I used to recommend some of the uh, specific antibiotics, but I, I, I don't recommend those uh, as much anymore. Right. 
Okay, uh, Dr. Shaw, should we should we move on? I think uh, let's yeah. look at the next. Uh, well, we, let's 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 consider the oxalates right at yes. the top of the uh, page. So the um, the uh, so your oxalate is somewhat high, and so so the two factors, the, the two major factors for this would be uh, diet and mold, and so. You would, you would need to make sure there's no mold in your environment. And then, uh, and then there's another factor, which is somewhat uh, controversial, is that some foods are exceptionally high in oxalates. And uh, two of them especially are so high that I don't recommend, which are spinach and soy. Uh, so, uh, as a matter of fact, there was a famous experiment done by the soup company that is uh, the predominant soup company in the United States is called Campbell's. They did a very large study on rats in which they gave them, uh, they wanted to see what was the best uh, uh, nutritional soup. And they evaluated rats and they evaluated different vegetables. And they found that if they gave the rats high amount of spinach, uh, it caused a uh, 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 increased mortality, uh, increased rates of infertility, and uh, and many other problems. And and so even though spinach has some calcium, uh, the amount of oxalate exceeds the amount of uh, calcium. And uh, I've I've talked to numerous people who were eating. Uh, a very large amounts of spinach salad every day who ended up with uh, kidney stones. So mm. oxalate stones can cause kidney stones, but they can also cause pathology of virtually every other organ in the body, the eyes, the brain, uh, the muscles. So more than likely the high oxalate is one of the main causes of fibromyalgia. So these these uh, oxalate crystals can can form can become very large and they can become sharp, and so if they form in the muscles, every time you move your muscles, you're in effect cutting into the uh, these crystals are cutting the muscle fibers and causing pain. So I know mm -hmm. a number of cases in which uh, getting rid of high oxalate food uh, was very effective and treating uh, fibromyalgia. Do you use that word? Or sometimes in the uh, British mm -hmm. countries, mm -hmm. they use another term uh, uh, mm -hmm. for fibromyalgia, something no. like... Uh, we we uh, use fibromyalgia, but I'm just thinking, is this the same narrative and continuum as Dr. Stephen Gundry's work, The Plant Paradox of High Oxalic Acid and what it does to uh, almost... Uh, bring on or be a cause for autoimmune diseases, chronic inflammation, uh, yes. chronic... Yeah. yeah, so all so all of these can be due to the uh, high uh, oxalic acid. And so, so I, I got into a very heated debate with the people promoting that was called the... Uh, it's a fad that's still going on, the green smoothie, and the green smoothie was a, uh, a drink in which they used a lot of spinach. And I uh, strongly suggested that 
if people want a vegetable drink, they just they substitute other uh, vegetables like broccoli or lettuce that um, that are are not high oxalate foods. Okay. So how do we remediate this? I'm not having a lot of spinach, uh, Dr. Shaw. So I don't think I've got mold, not that I've checked, but it doesn't seem like the rest of my organic acid test. So, uh, so, uh, so there's some other foods that could be high in the diet. So, uh, so the, the big ones are the uh, chocolate and nuts. So virtually all the nuts, peanuts, almonds. And, and so if that was excessive, that, that could be an issue. And, and there also is some possibility it could even be genetic, you know, so yeah. people have, so it's a very complicated marker. You just need to see, um, you know, uh, if you have any of the foods, are you eating an excessive amount of, of the foods that are, uh, you know, very high in oxalates? If not, then look at the mold. And if not that, then it possibly could be uh, genetics, in which case uh, increasing vitamin B6 can be very helpful. So do, taking, so you could try uh, increasing your vitamin B6 to 100 milligrams a day, and then see if that value declines. If it could, that could be uh, a, a genetic factor. And uh, if we could go back to the, um, uh, to the graph, uh, right, just, uh, let's see. Oh, no, no, no the, the one of the Krebs cycle, yeah. So you can see here in the uh, uh, center, if uh, in the very center of the Krebs cycle, you see the marker glyoxylate. And so that's one that, that uh, uh, many people will have. And if you have enough vitamin B6, you see, the uh, glyoxylate is converted to glycine, which is very relatively harmless. But if you don't have enough B6, then the glyoxylate is converted to oxalate, which is that uh, red arrow going up. Okay, sounds good. I do have a lot of nuts every single day because I keep my, uh, I do, uh, you know, I get rid of the phytic acid in that, but and I do prepare yeah. them myself, but I'm still having but it's, at least... The nuts actually have the oxalate. And so, so you could, what you could do is try the extra B6 and see if that reduces the oxalate. If not, you might want to consider just somewhat reducing the, mm. uh, the amount of I nuts. I do take glycine after speaking to Dr. Stephanie Seneff and glyphosate and its impact and how it's you know, it impacts, uh, you know, the, the receptor site and suggesting four grams of glycine a day, twice a day, at least. I, I, looking at the Krebs uh -huh. cycle here, do you, do you think that's relevant in terms of trying to, uh, you know, remediate against excessive glyphosate? Uh, uh, I mean, I, that's it. That's it. That's a good question. I, I would have to review, but I think this is a reversible uh, reaction. I, I think the B6 would be mm. increasing the B6. 100 milligrams is a good uh, amount for an adult, which, you know, almost never causes side effects from the B6. Um, okay. And I, 
I think I would be in favor of, of that because the glycine might reverse that, that reaction could reverse and then for more glyoxalate and oxalate, I, I, I'm, I'm just not completely sure. Great. Okay, good. So I've got to deal with that. And that also could give after my, my exercise a sort of a jointy feel and a sort of a stiff uh, lumbar feel that I sometimes, you know, obviously I'm doing a lot of exercise. So you, you don't know if it's from the oxidative stress and just from the, you know, the I, I would I would suspect that, it, that, that the oxalate could be the main culprit because uh, what I found is even the smallest uh, amount of uh, even people with like who are just high normal with the oxalate uh, may have some symptoms. Okay. Um, so I, I would I would bet that, that joint discomfort or muscle discomfort might might do might be due to the oxalate it's somewhat excess. Right. What about detox mechanisms like infrared sauna? Now that we're talking about oxalates, we're talking about clostridia, aspergillus. How important is uh, the detox mechanism of infrared sauna and, and, and other mechanisms to detox? Yeah, so with, um, so with oxalate, the best thing is just to reduce the, you know, the amount going in in the... Uh, uh, in the diet, and then you know the B six to uh, okay. to uh, prevent the body from because the body can make you know more from the cofactors, and uh, and then also uh, taking supplements of uh, calcium and magnesium citrate. That uh, so you may find that maybe if you took. Uh, uh, several hundred milligrams of that a day, maybe you wouldn't even have to reduce your, uh, the amount of nuts in your diet because it will prevent the calcium and magnesium citrate prevents the absorption of oxalate from the gastrointestinal tract. Okay. So that would be another uh, way that you could uh, uh, reduce the, uh, the absorption of oxalates. Um, and, and what will happen is as you reduce the amount in your body, uh, even if you have these crystals, they will start to dissolve and, uh, and, and, uh, and uh, uh, dissolve again into the bloodstream and then uh, be excreted into the urine. Uh, okay. so, so, the, so the best way for detoxification is just to... Um, reduce the uh, uh, intake and, and then the body will start automatically uh, dissolving and excreting these into the urine. Great, wow. And I can just see Dr. Shaw, how complicated this is, how many factors there are. And it is, that. it's one of the most complicated uh, factors and almost no, and so you, you read medical books uh, by uh, a kidney specialist and they only focus, they, they're almost their only focus is on the genetic aspect, mm. which is a relatively uh, small portion. It's much more uh, associated with, uh, with uh, uh, dietary intake, vitamin deficiency. It can also be due to people with have uh, uh, candida. The mm. candida also uh, produce oxalates and the mold as well. So all of these organisms uh, can play a role. So it's a very complicated path. 
which is one of the benefits of the organic acid test. So if you go, so there's a marker for vitamin B6 that's in the vitamin section. If you want to yeah. uh, uh, go ahead, uh, uh, there, there it is. Go. Yeah. So, so yours is, uh, you know, it's on, it's not, it's not in, in a harmful, but it could be, um, uh, you know, it's not extreme deficiency, but um, mm. the value could be higher. And so supplementation with B6 could be helpful. Uh, what I see is that, is that a lot of people who have really severe oxalate problems may have of the vitamin B6 marker near zero, you know, so, um, so it is one of the more common uh, vitamin deficiencies. Okay. Uh, right. And then, and, and then just looking up, I'm going to jump up uh, the uh, 48 and 49 are uh, markers uh, that are associated sometimes with deficiency of carnitine. And as a person who exercises a, a lot, um, you'll be, you know, your body will be breaking down fats yeah. uh, to, you know, to supply energy. You look like you're a pretty lean person from what I see here. Mm. Uh, and so, so it's because you're burning a lot of fat and, and, uh, and, and, uh, and so my suggestion, you might want to add carnitine supplementation to your nutrition uh, regimen because it helps in the, uh, the oxidation of fatty acids that you need as an athlete. Okay, good. All right, so where, where do you want to go now? I think we've finished, uh, I think candida is quite a, so we finished uh, yeast and fungal, the bacterial markers is clostridia, I know we've gone a bit over time. Anything else, the oxalates we've spoken about, mitochondrial yeah. markers? Uh, yeah, so mitochondrial markers, uh, so you're fine on uh, the mitochondrial markers uh, in the Krebs cycle. Uh, one, of the, one of the best markers is succinic acid. So when the person has uh, toxic chemical exposure, which is very common, um, and, um, and, and so if the value of succinic acid is high, it's because the mitochondria are not functioning well. And the most common reason is because of toxic chemical exposure. Mercury, uh, lead, uh, the weed killer, 2,4-D, all of these are chemicals that affect the Krebs cycle. Um, and uh, there are also people who have, there are uh, people who have uh, uh, genetic disorders of the mitochondria can also have elevations, but the toxic chemical exposure is a much more common uh, factor uh, in, in, uh, in what's going on. And uh, just to let you know, I'm getting a, uh, message. I've got 15 minutes or if, if you think we're, I know we're already over time, yeah. but uh, do you think this would be a good time to close or do you want to go over a, a, another, but I've got the most 15 minutes before another yeah. meeting. 
I think maybe can we just sort of make this as as part one? Would that be an option to to come sure. back and and, and yeah, discuss? Yeah, yeah. Now let's do that because we've covered a lot of yeah. uh, territory uh, today. Um, and so, then we can have a look at the rest and 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 sort of yeah, and uh, un unpick that. That would be incredible. I know your time is so valuable, but I think the audience and the community in South Africa is going to gain a lot, and and especially the the the. Organic acids test here in South Africa is, is well priced, even with uh, sending it. It's easy to do if I just think it's, it's not a blood drawn a test, for, it's just a urine test. So, children, adults, anyone can do it. So, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and by the way, we have for children who aren't toilet trained yet, we have uh, these uh, genital tape on bags. So, they, ju they just put it in their child's diaper at night. Mm -hmm. And the urine can, so we have special kits uh, for those who indicate their child is not toilet trained. Mm -hmm. So, like I say, we can go all the way from newborns to uh, elderly people in their hundreds can all benefit from uh, this testing. Well, uh, some people might only get to part one. We've gone deep dive into the weeds here. So let us just finish, Dr. Shaw, if you look at the uh, organic acids test, what can people do? Give us your top three hacks, pieces of advice that people can implement with regards to, you know, the organic acids test and, and ensuring things like Clostridium, ensuring things like, you know, uh, looking at what we did from the aspergillus side, the neurotransmitter yeah. side. What, what can people yeah. do? Yeah, so they... Uh... So one of the most important things that I would say is this, this particular test has been extremely useful for people who think they've done a lot of medical tests and treatment, but still don't have good health. So if they've gone uh, three months, or if they've gone six months or more, and they're going from one doctor to the other, and they're not getting, they're not getting uh, the health that they want, they should consider they need to, uh, to do something more comprehensive. And the organic acid test is one of the most uh, comprehensive uh, 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 tests that there are for looking at anybody who's had a chronic illness that's persisted too long, or somebody, maybe it's not a chronic illness, but it's a, a very severe illness. Like uh, one of the things we've seen is uh, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. We've seen significant abnormalities in the organic acid test that I suspect might be able to be treated. You know, so ALS is considered a, uh, an incurable disease. Mm -hmm but I am not sure that it's true. So always question medical authority. Don't always take uh, the, uh, a medical authority without some doubt. And uh, so always look for new possibilities that, uh, that might be uh, something that could be a, a severe, uh, I mean, a significant uh, asset to your health. Right. Two other things just from nutrition or exercise or checking your house for mold, what would be that, or sleep, what would other be two other pieces of important advice? Yeah, yeah, well, sleep is a, an extremely a, a important factor in health. Uh, virtually everyone recommends eight hours. And there are even studies done to show that 
that uh, the athletes who got uh, an extra hour of sleep were much more proficient athletes. Their, uh, their basketball uh, percentages and the goals they scored were better when they had uh, adequate uh, uh, sleep. And, and so they're all very important aspects. Uh, your nutrition is uh, extremely important that you get all the vitamins, minerals, and proteins you need for your health. Again, the organic acid test can, can give you insight into uh, whether there's any problems with, uh, uh, with those things going on. And what about organic meat and organic vegetables? How important is that compared to traditional conventional? Yeah, yeah. So, they, yeah so, uh, so, all, uh, so a large part of our fruits and vegetables are contaminated. And of course, many of our uh, meat animals are, are being fed these contaminated foods. And so that the uh, foods themselves may be contaminated with these uh, weed killers. And so... Uh, eating uh, the highest quality food is uh, an extremely important factor in health. Well, Dr. Shaw, you're a pioneer, you're a health legend, uh, incredible uh, learning experience that I'm going through over the last year through this organic acid test. Uh, uh, I wish you well. I thank you so much for your insight, your time. Uh, I can see you're a man who wants to see people healthy and well and transform people's lives. And I'm sure you've seen miraculous things happen as you've uh, unpacked this organic acid test and then given the interventions to patients and clients uh, all over the world. So thank you so much. And uh, I'm looking forward to part two. Hopefully we can we can set that up yes. pretty soon. Yeah, thank you very much for the opportunity and, mm -hmm. the, and the, the opportunity to speak to your uh, fellow uh, citizens. Thank you, Stephen. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Made to Thrive show. New episodes are released weekly and are published exclusively on the Made to Thrive podcast link. If you're interested in receiving more thriving insights as well as receiving other exclusive member benefits, visit madetothrive.co.za forward slash subscribe. This podcast is for general information purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and the materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content on this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they have and they should seek the assistance of healthcare professionals for any such conditions.